Job chapter 20. Then Zophar the Naamathite answered, Therefore my thoughts answer me, even by reason of my haste that is in me. I have heard the reproof which puts me to shame. The spirit of my understanding answers me. Don't you know this is from old time, since man was placed on earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, the joy of the godless but for a moment. Though his height mount up to the heavens, and his head reach to the clouds, yet he will perish forever like his own dung. Those who have seen him will say, Where is he? He will fly away as in a dream, and will not be found. Yes, he will be chased away like a vision of the night. The eye which saw him will see him no more, neither will his place see him any more. His children will seek the favor of the poor. His hands will give back his wealth. His bones are full of his youth, but youth will lie down with him in the dust. Though wickedness is sweet in his mouth, though he hide it under his tongue, though he spare it and will not let it go, but keep it still within his mouth, yet his food in his bowels is turned. It is cobra venom within him. He has swallowed down riches, and he will vomit them up again. God will cast them out of his belly. He will suck cobra venom. The viper's tongue will kill him. He will not look at the rivers, the flowing streams of honey and butter, and will restore that for which he labored, and will not swallow it down. He will not rejoice according to the substance that he has gotten. For he has oppressed and forsaken the poor. He has violently taken up a house, and he will not build it up. Because he knew no quietness within him, he will not save anything of that in which he delights. There was nothing left that he didn't devour. Therefore his prosperity will not endure. In the fullness of his sufficiency, distress will overtake him. The hand of everyone who is in misery will come on him. When he is about to fill his belly, God will cast the fierceness of his wrath on him. It will rain on him while he is eaten, eating. He will flee from the iron weapon. The bronze arrow will strike him through. He draws it out and it comes out of his body. Yes, the glittering point comes out of his liver. Terrors are on him. All darkness is laid up for his treasures. An unfanned fire will devour him. It will consume that which is left in his tent. The heavens will reveal his iniquity. The earth will rise up against him. The increase of his house will depart. They will rush away in the day of his wrath. This is the portion of a wicked man from God, the heritage appointed to him by God. These are the comments for Job chapter 20. And we're now up to the 12th speech out of 19. And this is the second speech of Zophar, the third of Job's friends. <laughs> you know, friends. So uh, we're halfway through, more or less halfway through the book, 42 chapters, we're up to chapter 20. In his speech, Zophar says this, he says, the triumph of the wicked is short and the joy of the godless lasts a moment. Well, is that true? It's a true statement in a sense. It's true statement from the Lord's perspective, but not a true statement from our perspective. <laughs> so 
we see the we see what's called short here, but it looks like long to us because we judge it from a right now process. So we might see someone who's the wicked and they're triumphing. And you think about someone like uh, one of those nasty emperors, you know, like Diocletian in the, the Roman Empire who persecuted the Christians and he seemed to last a long, 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 long time. Well, it didn't seem like his triumph was short at all. Or, you know, you imagine that you're a, a, someone living in Zimbabwe under the, ray, ray, uh, you know, the, the reign of Mugabe and he was in charge for 20 or 30 years. It seemed to go on and on and on. So it seems long. Sometimes the triumph of the wicked seems long from our perspective. But from God's perspective, where a day is a thousand years, it's just a breath. These people are in power for just a moment. So Zophar's statement is true from God's perspective. <laughs> he says, the wicked will perish forever like his own dung. And those who have seen him will say, where is he? And um, when he says they will perish forever, he probably thinks like they're gone forever, like they're gone and they're gone forever, never to return. We found out when Christ came that people don't just disappear and are gone forever, they are punished forever, which is much more serious than what we thought. Now, I know that there are different perspectives on eternal punishment, but Jesus says the fire will never die out. Um, as some people have said, oh, the fire doesn't die out, but the people who get thrown into hell, they get burned up and they're gone, but the fire keeps burning. The fire never dies out. Some people have said that. But Jesus also said that people would be, they would have weeping and gnashing of teeth, that they would be in torment forever. So endless torment, that doesn't sound very pleasant. So when Zophar said here that the wicked would perish forever, he might have been thinking one thing, like they're just gone and we'll never see them again. But the truth was revealed by Christ that they are tormented forever, as is plain in the Gospels. Um, in verse 19, Zophar now starts to accuse Job at a whole new level. Now, I did say at some point before that as the speeches go along, they get worse and worse and worse, in this, not in quality of the way the speeches happen, but in the things that are said. So the attack against Job is ramped up and up and up. We've now into the sixth speech by his friends, and he says this, for he has oppressed and forsaken the poor. Now the he he's talking about is Job. He's saying, Job, you have oppressed and forsaken the poor. You have violently taken away their house and not built it up. So it seems like now Zophar, you know, these friends started out by saying, you know, punish, you, you know you're experiencing um, pain and problems, so you must be wicked. Now they've got to the point where they're just straight out accusing him of attacking the poor and of being an oppressor. And um, he also said, when you are filling your belly, uh, when you are about to fill your belly, God will cast the fierceness of his wrath on you. While you're eating, it will rain. Um, Zophar goes on to, to paint God as the type of God who gives pleasure in one hand, and just as you're about to enjoy the pleasure, wipes you out. I would say that Zophar's picture of God is completely back to front. My understanding of God is that he's endlessly kind and endlessly patient, and he only judges at the end because he has to. 
And uh, he's not the type of God that promises good and waits till you think you're about to enjoy it and then you get slapped. And um, God, on the other hand, is someone that when you are going through pain will suddenly pull you out of it. Now, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he lets you go through it so that you learn. But even the learning is so good for you. But God is the type of God who might allow pain in your life, but for a redemptive purpose. But he never, ever offers you good and then replaces it for bad, like Zophar seems to be suggesting here. Zophar's picture of God's all back to front. And I think if there are some people that, that see a God like this, they see a God as vindictive, as mean-spirited, and only concerned about the rules. And sometimes children grow up in homes like this where the parents are so focused on the rules, things have to be done a certain way, that it overrules all sense of relationship and love. And so people get the sense that they're only approved of if they do what their parents say. Um, whereas with God, it's not like that. God has given us laws and rules because they're good for us. And God's love is not conditional upon them. In fact, God is always striving with people, even though they don't follow his rules. They don't follow his ways. Such is the kindness of our gods. We don't actually have a vindictive God. And people who think like that are just conditioned to think like that. And I'll tell you what, if God was a vindictive God, the world we live in now would be a horrible place. If God was looking at everything we've done wrong so that he can jump down our throat and slap us for it, I don't think anyone would be alive right now. We wouldn't survive. But we are alive because of the kindness and the mercy of God. So thank God Zophar's wrong. And he was also wrong about Job. <laughs> Job didn't do those things. And so um, I, I just want to end this chapter by just being grateful that we don't have a vindictive God. We have a God who's so gracious. Lord, we thank you that you're not like the type of God that Zophar described and you're not like the type of God that some people out there in the world think you're like. Like Rich Dawkins, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, you're not vindictive and maniacal and all those adjectives that have been used to describe you at times. Thank you, Lord, that you're so gracious and you even extend your love towards people like Richard Dawkins, giving him breath every minute. And, and I thank you, Lord, you give us our breath. You give us our life. You, you extend grace to us every minute. We appreciate it, Lord. And forgive us for all the times we haven't appreciated it. In Jesus' name.